0: Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am one of your hosts, James, uh, joining me this week, as he is contractually obligated to do until the end of time. It's my friend, co-host, owner of LH
1: Cigars. It is Nick Siris. Nick, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Oh, we're time traveling, so maybe we shouldn't mention... No, it's good. This, like, uh, it's okay. This goes out December first, so uh,
0: Thanksgiving. All right. right, oh, right, it's right around close. the corner. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: right around the corner. Yeah, I just never know. Uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> we record so season. many of these. We really do. Like, just, just the season.
0: Let to, to let people kind of behind the current a little bit, Nick. Like, we this is the last one we have to record for this year. Everything else is in the can. Just have to edit it, put it out. So this is it. This is the last one. Uh, and uh, we've got clear of the airs to do, but we'll worry about that later this is the last one for the podcast we've got a very special christmas present i guess as the case would be uh we have uh nimmer from valakari cigars uh nimmer how how are you welcome to the show
2: thank you thank you i'm doing great thanks for having me no thanks for coming on um like let me let me let
0: me start off with how do you folks in in florida how do you get into the
2: holiday spirit
0: with you know 70 80 degree days
2: we don't we don't uh they they skip thanksgiving this year here and they just went straight for christmas and their <laughs> yeah. ordered idea of christmas decorations is sticking a tree in a, in the corner and that's it's hard to get into it because' it's, it's it's hot there's palm trees it's it's Wonderful would- weather, yeah, I get it. It's really difficult. I know it's very difficult. I mean, I have to wear <laughs> short sleeves. I have to oh, yeah.
1: might have to actually put on pants. You know. uh, it's like thirty
0: degrees outside here. You both can just fuck right off. Uh, welcome. Well, welcome, I'm welcome. in New Jersey, <laughs> mind
1: you. uh I did enjoy mm-hmm. a couple of decades in Florida, and I tell you, the first year in Florida, I don't think I wore regular pants it was shorts i mean it could have been 30 degrees out and i was gonna wear shorts because i was in florida uh, you know that fades very quickly but the good weather never does uh, yeah, i wear I shorts
0: it. here when it's 30 degrees outside i don't
1: well, give a your shit your special case
0: I, well special would be the operative word let's get into it enough with the banter uh nimmer i want i want people to really know your story because uh you and i have a mutual friend uh, Lou cross who's uh one of our uh le club members shout out to my friend Lou uh i know he's gonna be watching this listening uh and so i appreciate all of his support but he's told me um kind of about how you got started in, in everything so let's let's start there let's walk folks through your story like how did you uh come to be in the uh cigar business uh what were the what were the events that led up to that
2: so when I came, uh, so first of all, I I was living in Jordan for about 10 years, uh, came back to the U.S. for high school. Um, so I was in Ohio, moved to Florida to go to Florida State. And then because to, to, I was out of state, uh, out of state tuition, I had to work, had to, you know, find a job, uh, work about six months to a year, and then I was going to go to college. So I ended up working at a cigar shop. Worked there for about a year and a half, almost two years. And then while I was working there, you know, I was meeting new reps and, and kind of learning the industry a little bit, but towards the end of the second year, uh, the owner of the shop wanted me to, uh, start working on a house, like a house brand or, you know, make a house blend. So I was talking to one of the lesser known, uh, cigar factories at the time, trying to make a a blend you know we were going back and forth took about six months i mean it took a really long time to get something going especially because i had no idea where to start but uh you know eventually i had the the packaging ready the 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 cigar the blends were phenomenal everything was ready to go and he pulled the plug on i'm like you know i sat here for six months working on this i love the cigar i think the blend was was just immaculate so I actually, uh, you know, used my student loans uh, to fund the project. So I just went ahead and did it, did it on my own, and then I was working. I started quarry while I was in college. Uh, so that's how I kind of got started. It's been a f- few years since then, but uh, no, yeah, you're still a, you're
0: a young, You're a young kid, remember? It hasn't been that long. You're young. You're young. It's been a few you, years. Yeah. There's no. There's. I don't see any gray. Uh, in that beard like mine. I thought I'd take this hat off. <laughs> Let me... I, so oh, hair. I, yeah, right? So I, wa- I want to ask this question, and I already know the answer to it, but I I, I only know it because of Lou. Uh, talk to me about the name Valakari. How did you come up with the name Valakari?
2: Well, I didn't. So when I got started, it was 2016. Uh, I don't know if you remember back then, but the FDA was threatening all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. They're talking about uh, you had to be in business for 10 years and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was it, it was like I just got I, I had just bought all the cigars. We were about to go into to the packaging design and I didn't have a name yet. And I didn't really I didn't really have anything, you know, ready yet. But when the FDA came out and said this, I was like, oh, no, we can't create a new brand. So we actually just went out and just bought, uh, uh like a dead brand that was uh, the, 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 it was called Valakari. They, they used to make small cigars. Um, we bought a few different names, uh, just, just in case, but I could get access to some of their old invoices so I could say, Hey, listen, the, the, the name's been around for a little bit. Um, so you know, but, Eventually, there was no point in doing that.
1: That's that's the funny thing is that was the big thing. February of 2016, there was supposed to be zero new brands that were released. And I remember a whole bunch of brands were still coming out. And I remember asking somebody on the uh, radio show that I was on, I said, uh, you know, what about the FDA? And, you know, it's Beth. And he looked at me like he didn't know what the heck I was talking about. And I go, OK, you don't know. Ignorance is bliss, my friend. But it turned out, you know, a lot of people got scared. A lot of people either sold, got out of the business, did what you did, bought older brands. Um, and it turns out all that was unnecessary. Oh, but yeah. who would have known? Who would have We known?
2: never we didn't know. I mean, I was getting into the business and I I don't know. I when I hear FDA, I, that sounds pretty serious. I, I didn't know the FDA had a long history of messing with the cigar industry. I didn't know, you know, most, most things the FDA proposes should be always taken seriously. If it's not taken seriously, it's when it's gonna pass. So, but yeah, we bought uh, the two brands. We bought Valacari, uh, and then we uh, registered a name called Don Sella, which uh, used to be owned by a company called Players, uh British company. They used to make cigarettes. Don Sella was their cigar brand. Um, same thing, little cigars mostly. We got those two and out of the two, we used Valacari. we shelved Don Donsella We brought it back uh, as a size, um, uh, now, but, uh, but yeah, so we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, it, the FDA was, you know, threatening all these, these things. And, and I think for the most part, we all thought it was going to be a, you know, it was going to, it was going to be a go. Like they were not letting any new, not even not, not only new brands, but new blends. So if you came out with like the Balakari nobility or whatever, uh, that was not going to be, it wasn't going to be approved. So we didn't know what we were doing yet. So that's why that's how we end up buying it. But yeah, it was they, they used to make like small cigars, like cheroots, and uh, like those Toscano kind of sort of things. So wh- how how
0: did you land on Valacari? Because you had obviously you had two options. What was attractive to the uh, about the name Valacari that you went?
2: Ah, let's just do that one. Uh, the pronounce like they're both uh, kind of hard to pronounce. But the problem was Don Doncella kept. It was pronounced. Everybody kept pronouncing it differently. I yeah. did. I wanted some continuity with with when people were talking about it. uh, One saying Doncello, one saying Doncello, ones you know. So it, surprisingly, that name was was, um, you know, easier to pronounce. But I I felt like the the more important wasn't the name of the of the of the brand, but but rather the the packaging, the the, the actual blends. We I never really cared about how the cigars were. Um, you know, the the presentation was important, but but not so much the they really I didn't really have the heritage, the backstory. I you know wasn't going to make it up. So, you know, we we were we've been pretty upfront with that, but we've been trying to focus more on the cigars themselves, the 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 the, the functionality, and not just the you know functionality of the design, rather than just making stuff that looks colorful or whatever. It, it's it's all about function for us.
0: Uh, before we talk about, uh, you know, your relationship with the factory and, and and how you've cultivated that and how you, you, uh, you know, met them and, and, and did the thing. I, I, I want to talk real quick about how I ran into Valakari. And that was obviously through uh, our mutual friend, Lou, last year when when I was, uh, if you remember, dear viewer, uh, where I, I did an Instagram live from a hurricane in Orlando. Uh, before that, I, we had stopped in uh, Tallahassee. And uh, spent the night there before going down to Tampa and then Orlando. And uh, Lou uh, introduced me to you and introduced me to the Valakari brand, which I I had never heard of. And now it's like I can't can't turn around on the Internet without seeing your brand out there. Um, You know, you've got the Messenger, which is, uh, that's the Connecticut, right? Because that was the one I I really, really liked that. Uh, you also have the Neo Classic, which I like that. I think that was the first one Lou gave me. He's like, here, try this. And I smoked that. Or maybe it was the nobility, which is the other one. Um, there are some astronomia blends uh out there on small batch uh cigar, but you you're on small batch, you're on luxury uh cigar. And this all has happened in the last uh about twelve months.
2: Yeah. Like, last
0: yeah. So how 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 did you how, how did you go from I'd never heard of Valakari and now all of a sudden you're everywhere. How, how, how did that happen?
2: Yeah. I mean, when we, when I first started, we started with a different factory. Um, we had issues, uh, you know, we were there about a year or two. Uh, and then we started having issues getting cigars in and, 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 you know, uh, quality issues. And so for about two years, so we're, so we're talking from 2018 to 2020, uh just we were we spent that time looking for uh, a new factory um you know and then after we found the factory we spent another year making sure picking out the blends making sure they were right um you know and then kind of i actually ended up spending that year stocking up also so like just buying cigars different blends um which which all those blends that we developed over the course of the year and are now, you know, they became the mark series, which is our LE program now. So we, so our program, our LE stuff is a little different than everybody else. We, most of it's stuff that we did, you know, two, three, four years ago that's been sitting um, that was a part of the development of the three core lines. So all of our LE stuff is, it, it's kind of like, um, they're kind of like a root system. Everything goes back to a core, core line. So they're all kind of different variants of it. So we spent a whole year doing that. And then finally, you know, in 2020, we started slowly coming out with cigars, but uh, we wanted to do it a little bit differently than last time and just do one blend at a time instead of just, you know, throwing three cigars out there for people to to, to try out. We just did one, one at a time. The first being the new classic, which was, uh, that one came out uh, in 2020. It was technically out in 2018, but the, the re-blend of it was 20 and then the Nobility and then the Messenger was the last one. So really just we we haven't been out, you know, for, for that long as far as these current blends go. But this last year is where we've really just, you know, just uh, gone out there and started moving some some products. So that's that's kind of how we end up here. So trial and error. You 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 did
0: you had a shop. I think you still have a shop. I do. Uh, it, it, My brother took over. Yeah, your brother took that over. What's like for you? What's the biggest um, difference between an online retailer and, and and then having your own space where you're selling your cigars from as as well as everybody else's?
2: Um, like what, like brick and mortar talking about?
0: Yeah, or? like so you own the brick and mortar. You're selling your cigars out of it. Um, you know, but then you're also dealing with now other oh, B&M owners. Yeah yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's different because because I was in I was working in you know retail cigars for a long time. So when I when I left my my job at a cigar shop, I immediately went out and started my own cigar shop, and that was my office space because I you know I couldn't afford to get a, a warehouse. So I got retail space, which sounds more expensive, but it's not. It's not. I was able to fund the, cause the cigars weren't, you know, we were still figuring out what we're doing. So, uh, we didn't have a lot of product to sell as far as our own brand goes. And we just, we didn't really have the, the connections, the, the retail list that we do now. But so, yeah, I was using this shop to, you know, study for college, sell cigars, learn more about cigars and develop the brand because that's really, um i mean th- that shop did so much for me as far as learning o- owning a shop really helps i mean versus just working at one i mean it was it's, it was a little different i was there for long hours i was working from open to close every day um and then you know just getting feedback from customers and then you know while i was working the shop when we get new uh, samples in i would hand them to the, to my customers like here try this what do you think try this what do you think and then base basically you know customers that liked X, Y, Z also happen to like this but so that's kind of where I learned to uh be able to identify you know what certain people like to smoke you know uh, and applying that to making cigars because making cigars marketing cigars selling cigars are have nothing in common besides yeah. the cigars. Yeah. there's nothing in common there are three different skill sets and you know and then there's blending cigars but you know that's there's so many different job titles with cigars, and I wanted to learn, you know, slowly learn each and every one of those those, those skill sets uh, it may not be the best at, that that at any of them. But, you know, it, it's good to know to have a good base foundation for, um, you know, knowing what blends uh, do well with, you know, with certain people and then how to make that cigar happen and, you know, make the best cigar you can in a certain category. Because every every blend it has its own world, it has its own customers. You know, every size is for a certain customer. It's it's very comp complicated, um, but you know, for the customer, all they have to all they care about is finding the right cigar, smoking, enjoying it. So our job is to to is to make sure we have that cigar for them, and try to make it as best as possible. So so those those skill sets kind of helped uh, while I was at the shop, and then eventually about three years ago, we get we. You know, went full throttle. Got got our own warehouse and uh, started moving the cigars.
0: What what lessons did you take away from the B and M shop that has helped you deal with retailers out there? Because how many shops are you in now across the country?
2: In the U.S., uh, about one hundred and five. Okay,
0: and what about overseas, outside overseas the U.S.?
2: Overseas, we have about twenty. Okay. So you're, you're, you're about like
0: 150, 170 shops. Some are yeah, in, in that, yeah, in 150, that range. Yeah. So, so what lessons did, did you take away from, from the B&M owning the B B&M uh, to be able to help translate it, that into sales with yeah. with other B&Ms?
2: A lot. I mean, I, I know what the, the, the I feel like a lot of the, uh, the, the mistakes I was making at the time were, you know, I knew what the customer wants, but, you know the a very important part of what the customer wants is what the brick, brick and mortar wants the retailer retailers uh want the same you know so, many of the same things that, that the customer wants because they are customers themselves yeah so that that was a big lesson i learned that in order to satisfy the brick and mortar and satisfy you know therefore satisfy the customer was to find out what the brick and mortar wanted And that was very different. I mean, they don't, um, contrary to, to, you know, the, the, the belief out there, it's not just about deals. It's not just about, you know, flashy packaging. They want something that they can rely on. They can, they can recommend to customers and, you know, they want, they want consistency, you know, are you going to be, are you going to have stock you are you going to be on back order for a year? You know, stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, it was very different. I mean, the stuff that I was complaining about as a retailer, I tried to fix them when I made my own brand. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it was a big, it was a game changer. So when we came back in 2020, you know, to do it right, all of the, all the things that cost me a lot of money, all the mistakes that we, we made, I mean, it was a, we were, it was like night and day came back. And it was very, 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 it was so much easier coming back and, 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 You know, applying all the things that I learned as a retailer to being a manufacturer. It's I I recommend anybody that wants to get into the cigar business. You know, work work at a cigar shop, go to a cigar shop, whatever it is. Like you know, I I rushed into it thinking you know I can work at a cigar shop two years and I was good to go. It 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 was not the case. I mean, it was you have to do your homework.
0: How much homework? Like how much are we talking?
2: I if you love something, you're going to put hours into it. You know, just just naturally. Because smoking cigars doesn't make you an expert at marketing. I I, Are you sure? Because I've met a lot of guys in a lot of lounges that think that they are experts in cigar marketing. I was one of those guys. I thought I could do it. And uh I, I definitely didn't do it right the first time.
0: Nick, you, you've got to have something to add to this because you've you've dealt with the same thing,
1: right? Yeah. It's it's a different time, believe it or not. Like the big mistake that I made initially was the first big shop, so to speak, that I got at a trade show was famous. So they placed this big order and I'm like, okay, uh, I guess I was a little green naive. I was like, Oh, this is great. This is going to be a piece of cake. Well, then when I hit the road, every brick and mortar I went into and they would do a search on my brand. The first thing that come up is famous. So you know, everyone's like, oh, you're online, you're famous, why should I carry your brand? And it was like, it's all I kept hearing. Now today, I don't think it's so much the case. You know, people like Pravada, I'm not as familiar with luxury and small batch, but these guys have kind of been able to coincide with brick and mortars. They seem to, things are a little bit more, you know, nicey-nice, where before it was us versus them all brick and mortars hated the online guys. It was like, you know, oh, if you're buying from them, then, you know, you're the enemy and blah, blah, blah. So it was so different where today it seems to be a little bit easier game. You know, I find retailers, you know, it's a tough game. That's all I'm going to say, you know, And, and we've all made mistakes. I've made tons that have cost me, you know, lots and lots of money, but unfortunately, you try to make, you know, small, small mistake as you can, but uh, you'd be surprised where something's going to happen. You know, in my case, it was distribution, you know, and uh, I got burned, uh, financially burned. Uh, you know, there's just things that happened along the way. But the the thing to do and I and I and I'm sure Nimmer is doing it is to persevere, continue. If you have a passion for what you do and you enjoy what you do. Um, you know, I I'm, I envy him that he was so young, you know, in the sense that I started smoking cigars. I tried it in, in college, but the cigars that I had in college were just crap and I just never took to it. But there was something that always drew me to the tobacco leaf. I started smoking a pipe thinking, okay, this is something. But I, that I, I kind of got out of that. I You know, I bought a bunch of great cool pipes and I still have that pipe collection. But it wasn't until I smoked my first real premium cigar and I was like, oh, wow. And I would have loved at that moment to just change my life. I mean, I had it. I saw the light. I wanted to go towards the light. But, you know, I had other things like a family and a and a, and a business that uh, was doing well. And it was just silly for me to change gears. And it didn't happen for like another 20 years for me before I was able to, to shift gears. But I will say in the 20-year, I was a student. I was, all I did was, you know, become more into the tobacco business. Um, and it was, you know, I, I hung around the business. I went to all the shows. I was friendly with people in the business. So I got my education. In Nimmer's case, you know, he he's, uh, you know, it really is a tripod. You know, he's got the retail side. You got the manufacturer side. and You got the consumer side. It's three elements to the equation and if you understand all the elements the easier it's going to be to get your your stuff out there and, so. and those elements are very very different from one another and
0: while you know two out of the three like so your your, your customers are both the consumer and the M. you have two different customer sets that are essentially looking for different things
1: <laughs> one's well, looking at the, their bottom line right And the other one's just looking at they should be, they should be. In my opinion, you know, there's a lot of retailers out there. And a lot of the retailers, in my opinion, have no business being retailers. You know, they there's different reasons why they're retailers. Some are retired, and again, I don't want to offend anybody, but you know, it's the truth. A lot of guys are looking to get into it. Hey, you know what? You know, I want to go into a second life, retire. Or quasi-retire, smoke. I love smoking, talking with people. The same reason why we all do this, to to meet people and to and to smoke and and make friends. I, I think that's what this business is about. But a lot of times those retailers didn't look at the bottom line or weren't really business people. And most of these shops fail or never make money and they never know if they're making money or if they're going out of business. Then you have the other retailers that are looking just at the bottom line and they don't care what they're selling. It could be widgets, widget cigars. And as long as people are coming in asking for them, they'll buy them. Uh, And those aren't really my particular type of customers because uh, you know, the type of retailer that I want, I'm sure it never wants for lesser known brands are people that are going to say, Hey man, I have a cigar that you got to try and you should try this. And that's how you get it. If they're going to expect, you know, especially in the larger humidors to put a box on a shelf, and somebody's never heard of your know, your brand, you know, what are the chances they're going to buy it? Less than if they go up and pick a Macanudo, you know. or So, you know, there's a lot of different types of retailers. So you just got to find the right ones to partner with, and then grow it that way. I think that's the the best. Yeah, plan. I think that's a
0: that kind of segues into. You know, my next question to Nimmer is: h- How do you choose which retailers are going to carry your brand and which ones aren't? Like, have you have you ran into retailers where you've been like, eh, this isn't going to be a good fit?
2: Oh yeah, all the time. I mean, like uh, like Nick was saying, it's it's there's so many re- I-, I would say almost maybe most retailers are guys that are retired and they're just doing. It's never their main source of income. Almost right. never. Um, so when you're retired or would die, <laughs> or they
1: would go hungry.
2: <laughs> yeah. If there's, if you're retired, the mentality, the approach of, of having a shop is I want to have a place where I can smoke cigars, you know, at a lower rate. And then I want to be able to hang out with people. That's, that is the story of so many retailers, unlike any other industry, most industries, these people, you know, they have similar stories to the manufacturers. They started small, they built, they built, they built. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all about offering great products for, you know, good price or, or whatever it is. But in the cigar industry, it's a little different. It is mostly a a, a social element. It, it, it's all about who you know, getting to know people. It, it's a social, pro- I mean, it's a social thing. We, we, we hang around, you know, most of us like to smoke cigars with other people. We like to share cigars. So those are kind of the, the the things that you see at cigar shops, but the owners um, are mostly retired, mostly just whatever you know, hanging out. So they don't take it um, as seriously as somebody who needs to use this store to feed their family. So it's a little bit different. So approaching them can be sometimes. I mean, I've heard, I've heard so many bizarre requests. I've had people, you know, only accept they will only meet people at their store if they're wearing a tie. I've heard you have to make an appointment months at six months in advance. I've you know, and I hear all these things. I'm like, but if you're you know if you're treating the manufacturers this way, I, I question how you treat the customer because everybody
1: Number, bo- let me give you let me give you a little inside information. All those are just different types of objections for them not to meet with you because oh, the reality is i don't know today but when i started it seemed like it was a train of people coming in so you're they're meeting with you they got six other guys that are slapping a band on something and you know maybe have about a hundred cigars that they're selling and how do they know the difference from a guy that's really serious no. about it, is going to be there for the long run so you have your basically your five minutes to give your elevator speech. But the reality is you got to get past that first step. But if they're telling you, you got to wear a tie, you know, or you need an appointment. Yeah. It's always good to try to get an appointment, but nobody keeps these appointments. And if they're trying to avoid you. So the, the idea is to get to them somehow break down that first barrier. And, and even so, like I've met people that I've become very friendly with. They're not carrying my cigars. You know, they'll tell me, well, I'm not going to carry your cigars. <laughs> you know, And it's like, okay, you know, or, or but you know what now I flip the tables on them. Or I go in and I go, oh yeah, no, I'm I'm not going to sell my cigars here. And they're like, what? I go, yeah, you're not the right type of shop for me. And <laughs> they flip out. You know, uh, you know, I don't want to let you know all my secrets. But the more you tell somebody no, the more they want it. You I know, just, Before, it's like reverse you're, psychology. You're you're, you're 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 begging them. You know, um, so yeah, it, it's it's not an easy game. You know, but yeah, the key I is everybody
2: does. What's that? It's, it's hard to get that, uh, you know, initial contact, however the contact is. Um, yeah, you
1: get that contact to get in, um, to get past that first barrier. And then it's a matter if you guys click. And, and like any other thing in business, it's all about relationships. Uh, never so much as it is in this business because it is all about relationships. And sometimes you can have a relationship with somebody, but your cigars aren't the right fit for them. They're not the right fit for you but it's okay because it's all one big industry, family, whatever you want to call it. So the key is as long as you can put food on the table and you're growing your brand and you enjoy what you do, then life is good. Oh
2: yeah. And and not every, and at the end of the day, like where I was more going with it is that not every retailer is going to be for every manufacturer, there are some, some retailers that I've heard nothing but great things uh, about and then, you know, end up, just, it's just not working out. Um, it's not always, a you know, a, a money thing or an av- availability thing or whatever it is. Sometimes you just don't, it just doesn't work out. Like you talk to some retailers and, you know, I do things a certain way and they do things a different way. You know, some, some people are all about the bottom dollar. They're all about the deals. You know, for me, I don't, we don't really, we rarely ever do that. So, you know it, it, we don't always overlap but when you do find a retailer that overlaps and you guys have the same core values it it's so much it's a it's better than 100 shops because you're going to end up building your brand there they're going to they're going to give the same experience that 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 we want to convey to the customer they're going to give it a phenomenal experience to the customer the customer is going to be happy with our cigars with the place they bought them from um you know how the cigars were presented to them how they were kept all, all these things that make Good retailers, good retailers, and I have I have shops. I kid you not, they're under six hundred square feet that do ton of business. Ton, I mean, they are better than some of my massive ones. So it's never about the size of the retailer or the, the 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 pocketbook. It's just about the experience that that retailer has. And there's some shops that have been in business for a long time that do all the things you're talking about. Um, so yeah, we've we've said no to shops, you know. And it's hard to turn, turn away business, but um, we're at a point now where we have, you know, waiting lists for shops. We're not actively currently reaching out to stores just because we're uh, one of the mistakes I did in, in uh, the years past was taking on every shop that comes in. You know, if it's on back order for three months, oh, so be it. I need to get I, I had to secure the sale. And now we don't it's not like that. now. So so when we have uh, when we can, you know, comfortably, confidently stock retailers, that's when we we take on new retailers, because I want to make sure that when they give us a call, we have it. If we don't have it. We don't put it out. Uh, you know, that's why we've been on pre-release for a year, uh, James with the Astronomy, because if we don't have it, we don't have a good stock of it. There's no point in having it be a release. So we're I I try to be as careful as possible, uh picking out retailers. And the same thing with our cigars. If we just don't have it, we don't have it. We can't take on new customers, we can't take and it sucks because at my you know, my inboxes, the emails, there's a lot of requests from certain people, especially the international market. Uh we I think we have more um I think we have more attention outside the US, but we just can't those guys are very difficult to stock. So we do what we can. We make sure we try to make sure, I mean, my, the list of retailers I have now, I have a phenomenal relationship with every single one of them. We have un- unbelievable uh, conversion rates. We have, you know, you know, every, everything's is going really good for us and and, and we're thankful, but I don't want to add too much to the plate and, and really complicate things. So the way I keep things, you know, good and happy with customers is, you know, make sure we have stock, make sure we, we can show up when we can for them and, you know, do what we can, but yeah, not every retailer is for us, and and we're not for every retailer. I mean, it goes both ways.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And it sounds like you cultivate that relationship with these retailers. And, and I mean, if you oversold or 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 tried to put something out too fast, like you're going to end up ruining that relationship with some of your retailers who might get left out. So I think I think you've got a a a good path for that uh, continuing to grow the brand and and, and whatnot. But Talking about these relationships that you have with the consumer and these relationships that you have uh, with your with your customer, the, the B&Ms, I want to talk about your relationship with the factory uh, and where these are rolled. Uh, so you said you started with one factory and you moved to another one and then things obviously went well with the one you're with because you have ramped it up and you're putting stuff out and you've got new stuff coming out next year. Talk about that relationship with the factory. Where's the factory at? Like, give us the deets. How did that happen?
2: Yeah. So we were, we were in Nicaragua before we've always had our cigars made in Nicaragua. Um, and then basically, all right, I'm trying to get the date for you, I'm drawing blanks here today, but, uh, it was 20, 2019, I think we got approached, uh, cause we were basically like throwing out, I called every factory there, there wasn't a single factory. I didn't email call and you know, I, I'm sure Nick knows this uh better than anybody it's hard to get access to people in nicaragua it's very difficult it's not like uh there's like a, it's not like chinese factories where you can just go on a website and there's a, there's a list of them it's hard some of them don't have emails they don't have and if they do i don't you know it's hard to get so it's it's hard to get to, to get Never, hold. Of let you.
1: me ask you a question how are you trying to contact them by email by phone Well, uh, back then,
2: I yeah, back then it was like emails, Facebooks, Insta. I mean, anyway, any way to get a hold of some of these people, you know, to find them. Not it wasn't the the ones that I knew existed. I approached, but but finding new people, it was like, hey, I know a guy that knows the guy. Kind of, kind of that. You know, it was kind of it was going that route. But yeah, back then it was. Now for us a lot easier. I I I can call them. It's a
1: little you know kind of a moot point, but the best thing you could have done is take a week and go down there. What you could have accomplished in a week of visiting, knocking on doors, knocking on doors face-to-face, because again, like everything else in this business, the right factory may not be the right one for you. It's gotta be the right fit. And the only way to determine that is not on a phone call or an email or what you hear from somebody else. You go there, you visit it, you see how the operation is, you meet with the people, and then you say, okay, go on to the next one. And then you go on. I mean, for me, uh, when I started, you know, initially I thought about having, you know, I was going to make a blend with AJ Fernandez before he was AJ Fernandez. And we talked and because of his partner at the time, we'd never ended up seeing eye to eye, me and AJ did, but it was, so that never came to being. And then I made, whether it was a silly mistake or not a silly mistake, I decided to blend myself uh, instead of trying to have, you know, some blender, such a, a famous great blender. And and I had relationships with these people like like Ernesto Perez Carrillo. And and yeah, it would have been a whole lot more um, quicker for one thing and sold better. People would have known it. I love I, I love selling and I can sell. And I think I could have done a better job selling somebody else's cigar than my own. But I made the decision to try to do it myself and I don't regret it because to me, that's where my passion lays, you know, in, in, in blending cigars and the process. But, uh, you know, this is your interview, not mine. I just wanted to say that if you'd been down there, man, the amount of hours you spent trying to find them and stuff, you could do your homework that way, but there's nothing like getting on a plane and knocking on doors.
2: Oh yeah. No. And that's one of the lessons I had to learn the, the hard way. It's, no one's going to take you as seriously as when you show up i mean you're absolutely right there's there's no doubt about it but I, you know it was just it was the ignorance of not knowing so i just you know we were reaching out to people uh it would have been if i went if i can go to Nicaragua in a few days i could have whipped up uh phenomenal blends with with great people and and, and who you, was your
1: first factory in America? can you tell us yeah
2: so, yeah i mean it's you know we worked with a factory called the Cigars. the um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, have you heard, have you heard of them? Yeah. No, what is it? Diablo? yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. It's Yallabo. Why? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I am
1: familiar with them. Yeah. They produce yeah. a lot of cigars for a lot of the, uh, okay. online guys. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 They were, Direct. they are, uh, they make phenomenal cigars. There's no doubt about it. Um, it was just a matter of it just not working out for us. I mean, just different directions. But uh, they, they made – back then, they were – they were I don't know if you remember this, but like 2016, they were making – they were just kind of new, just starting off as far as making their own brand. They also grow tobacco, so they were mostly tobacco grow. But they were making their own cigars, and they were like the, – they were the thing back then, uh, you know, as far as the boutique stuff goes. Um, mm-hmm. Cigars were great. They were under um, – back then, the MSRP was like five – you know, you, you can get a box for – as low as four bucks a stick you know it, it was it was yeah. they were great value for money um hmm. so that's what we worked with for about a couple of years um you know we were uh it was called the series a the Valakari series a back then it came in a habano and a maduro you know didn't have the money to separate the two the two uh, lines so they we just still put stickers on the box because like I, I don't even think i could have afforded to to make a new line of boxes so we just literally just, you know we had the factory put stickers on it but anyway so uh, speaking of AJ so uh I working at the shop um I one of my sales reps uh who left the left left AJ Fernandez who's uh Zimziani's married to AJ's twin sister reaches out let's tells me about this new guy uh called tobacco de Pages Raymond Pages great cigars and I had I was about to put ink on paper to work with another factory which I'll keep nameless um and then you know we were kind of trying to figure out some of the details some of the blends some of the you know we were we we're almost there um uh, but the you know the deal was kind of going south a little bit we were disagreeing on certain things as far as you know they they weren't really I was trying to get a broadleaf back then and they just weren't really able to provide that much for me so i was trying to you know push the numbers and get that we just couldn't make it happen but while that was going on i get some samples from tobacco to pages and i was like this is better than anything i've seen and i'm like the, the the what stuck out to me the most wasn't just the flavor i mean there's a lot of good flavor you know good cigars that have great flavor but the construction was never seen it before i'd never seen cigars with such immaculate construction, um, and I'm like, this is this is interesting. And when I found out how small the operation was, I mean, we're talking, this was this was in a two thousand square foot location where they were making these cigars. I'm like, I don't know what he's doing, but this micro uh, brand, this micro factory, I it, it it was everything I was looking for because we were a micro brand, and we wanted small batch, you know, cigars. We wanted stuff that was you know made by hand and not massive quantities. And if you have a, if you're only working with like 20 rollers or whatever, it's, you can do that. You, you I, I felt like that was kind of what we were going for. So we started making samples and that's, we spent two years just working on samples, working on samples, you know, making 500 of this blend, 500 of that blend, thousand of this thousand of that, and just stocking them up. I was just stocking those cigars up and, giving them out to friends and seeing what what landed seeing see, seeing what you know kind of hit the mark and uh the first cigar was a nicaraguan puro the, the new classic which we which we have today um that that was our first cigar, and that one was it definitely had the body the 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 strength the spiciness of a nicaraguan puro yeah um so we started there So so we put in our order and ever since then, we've been working with them and they've they've been, you know, uh, rock stars as far as manufacturing goes. I mean, where we were and where we are, as far as the, the, the factory goes, it, I, I can't I can't find I think of a single negative thing that we've experienced being with uh, them. Uh,
0: you may have started as a micro brand, but I don't think you're a micro brand anymore. Uh, you you have a, a pretty pretty good online presence. like you're in over 100 shops in, in the US, 170 worldwide. You're growing your brand. Like how hard is it for Valikari to keep the attention of a factory so that when you have an order that you've got to get in, you know every month, every couple months, every quarter, whatever it is, that you keep their attention that they're like, Oh yeah, you need that. We'll roll that right now. We'll get the We'll, we'll, we'll knock this out and they'll, you, you have that relationship with Raymond and tobacco Larry to pages. Like, how did you cultivate that? How do you keep their attention now that you're a bigger brand than you were a
2: year ago? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you, 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 you definitely, as we grow, they grow and, and obviously they're, they're making other, other cigars as well. And, you know, you, we've, Definitely, are grown our quantities, especially the last two years, to a point where we can go to any factory. I mean, it's we, it's 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 a, it takes a lot of pressure off when you can move volume. And obviously, we started as a micro brand, and the mentality is always going to be a mentality of a micro brand as far as developing the cigars. But but when you get to the the next phase uh, of being a smaller brand. Uh, you can't do, you can't do the same things. You can't make like my, my last, we did a, we did an le uh, about six months ago. It was the, it wasn't even, it wasn't really like a new blend. It was just the neoclassic uh, that we did four years ago, five years ago, excuse me. And we, we had them in the old boxes. It was kind of like a throwback from the archive kind of thing. And we made 2,400 cigars. I was thinking that's a good amount of cigars. I didn't think every, every retailer wanted it. It's not that different. It just had a different wrapper than the re- than the regular neoclassics, and it was just a little bit of age. That was it. That was the whole thing. So I was thinking, okay, if only twenty percent of my retailers want this, we'll have a nice sellout. We'll have some, you know, we'll be able to to supply five boxes to each retailer. We'll be we'll be fine. Well, we end up. Sell- I I sent the email out, and then like 15 minutes later, I sent another email out saying, "Listen, I'm sorry, we don't we sold out." And most retailers got it like an hour later. Like, what what is going on here? Uh, you're offering me a cigar, and now you're telling me what what just happened? So we can't do those anymore. We can't do those small fun projects anymore because 24 24 cigars, I can get one retailer to pick those up. So it's we have to. We, we do things differently now, and and doing L, whether it's LE's new sizes, we have to supply a lot more cigars. So yeah, I mean, it, we we definitely keep the attention. We we keep it. We have to keep the factory happen by buying cigars. If I sell out of the cigars or not, I have to continue to purchase those cigars. Thankfully, our issue is more reversed. Uh, we we need more cigars. Selling them isn't the problem now. Um, to get to that next level uh and we've been this year we've been kind of caught in the in that you know the crossfire of demand and the crossfire of you know not having enough supply so trying to balance those out and of course cigars take a long time to make it takes a minimum of three to four months to make if you want made right and you want it to sit um you can't just say hey i need 20 you know containers of tomatoes or whatever get them here by next friday and then supply it's it doesn't work the same way and and you can easily rush it you you could may meet the demand by rushing supply but i I don't think anybody would ever want to do that in their right mind so yeah that's that's kind of the situation we're in so we grow slowly we make sure the factory is happy we make sure the customers are happy we make sure the retailers are happy by not overextending by just you know buying what we can, selling what we can. And then just, that's where we're at. So we're in this kind of this ugly growth phase this year of trying to make more and more cigars. And hopefully by next year, we'll have a lot, a lot of new stuff. We'll be well stocked. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, we haven't had any issues uh regards to, um you know, you know, uh, getting the cigars in and, and keeping everybody happy it's been it's been a a a smooth ride since we've worked with with those guys
0: well you are you're in the unique position that while as your brand grows your the factory is also growing it's kind of like this this parallel like what are some of the growing pains that you see uh with with that like i i know you say you're in the crossfire but You've, you've had to have had conversations with Raymond like, hey, you guys are growing and, and you're doing your thing and I'm doing my thing. Like, how are we able to to make this all kind of, you know, not to use a fucking corporate word, but synergize together to like so that we're in a good place and you're in a good place and we're both getting what we need out of this relationship.
2: Yeah, we just we, we you know, it's it's been look, I need more and more stuff and it's been I'll get it to you when I can. I mean, it's really, it's really been those kinds of conversations you know, I I don't call and say, I need this done now. And, and, and you're going to make it. I don't think that's how it goes. Uh, I don't think it's ever been like that, but (laughs) you get it when it's ready. It's been the, and then so I now have to copy and paste that message to the retailers when you get it, when it's ready, Uh, because when it's ready, it's going to be ready. It's going to be as good as it was a month ago, six months ago, Two years ago that's the whole point so i i don't i've had a few different other factors that we that we've had friendly conversations with about you know maybe create creating other brand blends you know and diversifying but it never made sense it, you stick with you know the people you started with and if you know we grow as they grow. And, and you know when we can get the cigars in, we can get the cigars in every person, every brand that doesn't own their factory that, that, you know, they, they've always, they all have the same issues. I mean, it's, you know, there's always a pressure if, if they're in a good position and they're lucky enough, the conversation is, can I get more? Can I get more? When can I get more of this? When can I get more of that? And like with the Broadleaf situation, i would like nothing more than to just have that cigar in because i don't want to be in the pre-release phase for this going on a second year so but i know that it's going to take time i, I know bro- that crop isn't ready or this crop it's not just broadly it's always something you know and you know i get it so we don't we we we, we get it when we get it and um that's i feel like that's how I appreciate that there's somebody there that, that that won't say I'll take your money, I'll give you ten times more supply that you know, I, I appreciate that there's that there's people out there that will, you know, that that will have those conversations. That's that's yeah. kind of why we have such a good relationship. You'll get it when you get it. That's that's just how it's <laughs> gonna have to be. Uh, there you go.
0: There's the title of this episode. You'll get it when you get it. Let me let me ask you this, because you are a, a, a boutique brand, you're you've graduated from micro brand to you're 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 growing, you're doing all the right things. Looking at, you know, the factories and, and what they do and all of these brands like there, there seems to be a new brand every week that comes out. Is there and I, I, I think I already know the answer to this question just based on some of the things that that I know. Um, so I think I know how you're going to answer this, but is there room in the industry for, for new cigars, for new blends, for new people to come in with new ideas and new marketing and new schemes? And is there room?
2: Um, I mean, I I think so. I mean, it's, we're, we're not gatekeeping this. I mean, it it, it's okay. So it's like, it's, it's not that hard to make these cigars. I mean, you, 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 you can do it, but you know, um, unless you're going to do something different, then don't do it. I, I mean, well, well define, I, define different. What's what, what do you mean different? Different. So I, I think that if you're going to like, for example, like, 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 let's be more specific. Like if you come out, you, you call it the Don, whatever, blah, 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 cigar. And you put the old vintage Cuban style packaging and you put a, I've seen this ban a million places on your cigar. That's, Tastes like everything else, then I don't think you're going to do well. I I think it's going to look like everything else. It's going to taste like everything else. But if you have something that's like, okay, this is very unique. This is different. um, Or this is just done really well. Like this is such a great cigar. I'm obsessed with it. I'd like to share this cigar. Chances are, if you love it, maybe somebody else loves it too. But if you're, you know, I mean, there's not a lot of room. I will say there's not a lot of room, but you know, There's always new brands that come along and they just do everything right. And as some grow, unfortunately others are falling off. So I don't think it's, I think that there's, the more there is, the more competition, the better the cigars get. Like when there's just five brands, nothing gets improved. The cigars don't, you know, like when to give them some credit. I mean, I think, whether you like the brand or not, I think like when Drew State was started, there wasn't any room when Drew State were. I mean, in theory, there wasn't, but they did a lot of things differently. They they introduced some new concepts, new packaging things, whatever. I mean, they did a lot of yeah things that weren't done before, and they found room and they became one of the larger larger brands. So it's you know you you could have you could have easily said that we have enough brands with the the five or six that were out there back then. You could have said that that's enough. We don't need more, but now there's two thousand, twenty thousand <laughs> cigar brands, and some do well, and, and 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 those that don't do well, and those that don't, um, you know, keep producing quality, keep cultivating an audience, creating relationships with with manufacturers, customers, shop owners. They're gonna die off. I mean, we almost died off, and because we did everything I mentioned, we 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 did boring packaging the cigars were great but they weren't phenomenal they were just there's a lot of great cigar so yeah i, I don't know I, I think there is i think i think there's a lot of room and the more competition there and it's not really that like traditional competition it's just there's a lot of yeah. cigars. i think the better i mean i think there's room for valakari cigars i think there's room for lh cigars i think there's room for a lot of brands and let the customers Enjoy what they enjoy. I mean, look, there. I've seen cigar brands that like like there's cigar brands that only sell cigars for thirty dollars and up. And yes, and there's somehow there's room for, for them. I, I was just in Dubai. I walk in the airport. Uh, yeah, the air uh, No, sorry, the mall. There's a cigar shop in the mall, and I saw three hundred dollars cigars. I'll keep the brand. It's it exists in the U.S. Yes, and then, and the the whole humidor was filled with it. And people were clearly buying that cigar. So, I—if you came to me and asked me, "Hey, is there room for a three hundred dollars cigar?" and I'd say, "No, probably not." But they made it work. They exist, and they're out there in the wild. In Dubai,
1: in Dubai, it'll work.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, that's it'll work somewhere here. In you know, somewhere,
1: but that try selling that cigar over here for that price.
2: They have a. They they may be they may be way larger than I than I'll ever be. I, I don't know. I mean that they they could easily be bigger than us. That's what they're doing. Good for them. I doesn't it does not bother me whatsoever. I'm not gatekeeping anything. I don't mind seeing new new brands, but just don't be repetitive. That's the only thing I would say is just don't be repetitive, um, because you're not you're not going to do well. Like you know, I, I just I think that's common. Well, I mean you
0: know it, you walk into any lounge, and I think the three of us would all agree you walk into any lounge and i, I would say a hundred percent of the time there's one person in that lounge that would be like, "Oh, I could do a cigar, I could make my own cigar. I could do it, and it's not it's not it's not that easy, is it, guys? like you two know that it's it is terrible. not that easy
2: it's tough it's not easy I mean it's don't do it <laughs> don't, <laughs> but don't if do you're it. going to do it, do it right. Um, I help. Uh, if you're
1: going to do it, you really want to do it because if you think you're going to do it to make, you know, money, the money should be secondary because if you're thinking about making money in this business, that's the toughest thing in the world. But if you're passionate and you do it right and you stick to your guns and you have a vision, yeah, you know, I I encourage anybody that wants to be in this business to, to go for it. Life's about dreams, you know, and if that's your dream and that's what's going to make you feel good about yourself and you're good at what you do, I, I encourage that. But for people that think it's going to be an homage to themselves to build a shrine brand, a cigar to, to for them, the, you know, you got to take the ego and put it aside and do it for the real reason, because if it's not, you're not going to last. And that's the reality. And we've yeah, seen
2: cool.
1: how many brands come out and how many go away.
2: So one of the reasons, like, I I really, I thought cigars were very exciting is back when I lived in Jordan, we, um, we had, we, we have our own olive trees and we would, you know, we'd go to the, once a year, we would, we would get the olives, go to the mill, make some olive oil. And the joy of walking into a room, you know, visiting friends and family and sharing your own olive oil was like, it it was like Superman walking in the room. It, It was such a, gratifying feeling for me that even though it was the most painful, I don't know if you probably haven't done this, but, but, but when you make olive oil, it is the most difficult thing you can do. It's, it's dirty. It's not, it's, it's not like when you see a 50 $60 bottle of whatever it's, it's not luxurious. It is very, very tough, but, but it's so worth it when you get to share it, that I felt like with cigars, it was, it was like that, but on a much, probably a much bigger scale because when people, you know, cause this, cause people are going to sit there for one, you know, let's call it 30 minutes to an hour, maybe more. And it, they're going to be enjoying your product. And while they're enjoying it, they're going to have, you know, some memories, some great conversations. And, you know, I, I love seeing people enjoying our cigars. You know, it's not, in not every cigar that we make is for everybody, I get that there's always going to be people that don't like it, but for those that do, it's, it is the most rewarding thing for me to see somebody sit there, take an hour of their day, enjoy our cigar and, you know, just sit there and, you know, do what they're going to do. It's, it's that's why I've, I kept coming back to cigars and and really want to make, make this work. Um, it's kind of because of that, because it's, it's just, it's a great thing. And if I can give them a cigar, that they're going to say at the end of the cigar, oh, shit, this was great. This was a great cigar. I loved every bit of it. And I don't want the cigar to go out. It's very gratifying. So, you know, while this industry is not the most profitable, I mean, can be. sometimes can be. Um, it, it definitely is the most rewarding than most businesses. Like, it's not, it's, it is a consumable, but it is a consumable that is appreciated by people that, a lot of them, you know, are just – it's what they like to do. And it's they, – they they enjoy it. It's its an hour of their time. You know, it, it's a big deal. So when I have an hour of somebody's time, I am going to try to give them the best hour of their time I can possibly do. I want to give them the best cigar possibly. I want—I I don't want them to put it out and say, eh, you know, it hurts. <laughs> I mean, I, you, you pretend that it doesn't. But it definitely, you know, it definitely hurts a little bit when somebody <laughs> – is, is is it is, happens is, to everybody, man. It happens yeah. it does. But you know, I but that but I've gotten emo, I've gotten emotionally attached to um to our cigars and, and I and I want people to to enjoy what what we put out. And that's that's why I keep coming back to this one. K- if it wasn't
1: to- a personal thing, then you wouldn't be good at what you do. You know, it's when you create when you put your name behind it, when you put your everything behind it. You know, if you get a guy that's not, and again, like you said, not everyone's going to like everything you make and, you know, you try to say, Hey, it doesn't bother you, but you know, you want to please people. And, And, you know, we're all doing it for the same reason. I also enjoy, that's the reason when somebody's enjoying a product that, you know, what you put into to create that product and they like it and they're fans of it and they keep buying it, it makes you keep going. It makes you keep Absolutely. going. The one or two guys that put it down after a couple seconds that don't like it. That's part of it, man. That's part of it. You know, so you just got to take the good with the bad.
0: So.
1: You, you know, you talked about you've you used this word
0: twice in, in this interview, Nimmer, uh, gatekeeping. And you said, I'm not gatekeeping. But for you, it goes, it goes further than that. You've already shared uh, uh, with us some of the mistakes you've made and how you've learned from them and you've grown from them and and you went forward and didn't repeat those mistakes but you know I ask you if there's room in this industry for for more micro brands for more smaller brands for for more brands in general and you're like oh yeah we're not gatekeeping we're not doing that but it's for you it goes deeper than that because you help shepherd some of these folks into the industry do you feel like you have to do that or is that I feel like it's just who you are. You're like, you have an experience that you can share and you can help people navigate this, this industry a little bit, just through, through your experience. Um, talk about that a little bit. Is that something that you, you really enjoy is helping people out when they are like, Hey, you know, I think I might want to do a brand. I I might want to get into the industry. Do you enjoy that? Do you, do you really like help, like love helping them kind of get started?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because when I got started, I mean, there were people that um, that helped me a lot. I mean, there are, there were countless, countless, countless names that you know. When I was, I had a million questions. Like I, I would bug some of these guys. I would sit there for hours, nonstop, bug them with questions. I mean, it, it, and and they weren't, they didn't like, oh, here we go. It's like you know, they they were very they were very passionate about because they loved what they did, and if you love what you do, you enjoy talking about it. You enjoy teaching about it and um i i I would say that if it wasn't for the personalities for the people that were there in the beginning i i wouldn't have known where to go i wouldn't have you know there's there's people like nick that are going to be there for you that you can talk to i don't think they're that these are the cigar people are, are the type of people that would turn others away so i don't know everything it's 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 a student mentality i don't either i'm 30 or 70 years old it's always going to be a student mentality but when there's room to teach you you tell people about your mistakes first you know tell them what you did wrong and you know make sure they avoid it so that they can make their own brands and so that they can have the same gratification that you did and go on and do two great things i mean there's gonna i i know that there are people that that i see and talk to and and and, and kind of you know hold their hand into the to the beginning stages of cigars and i see them doing things that i learn from all the time every time there's things that they they do very well that i can learn from and whether it's a small conversation or more intimate in-depth kind of process once you start working with them you always pick up things along the way and you can apply them to your own thing so yeah i i enjoy it i mean it's it's good and i'm seeing some of the guys that I'm talking to currently they're about to start some of the people that have started, there are some, I mean, and I, and I I wish them to all be better, not just not, not match us, but be better than what we're doing. Um, but there are some very exciting things that we're working on for other people, uh, not just ourselves, but there's some stuff that's coming up that are just absolutely phenomenal blends. I know you've had some of them and, there's some good stuff coming there's We've some really of- good yeah
0: like keep your eyes uh open guys cuz there's going to be some good stuff uh and we'll 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 talk about that uh um a little bit probably later cuz I'm not sure how much we can say and how much we can't so we'll just we'll we'll, we'll just kind of leave it there but let's talk about your brand and your blends um
2: just walk us through cuz you've got three core blends mm-hmm. yeah okay. three core blends we have the uh I'll go strong to light because I want to talk about the light one at the end. So the nobility is our San Andreas Maduro, um, medium to bold, more flavor based than than strength. It's you know that's uh, that's kind of where that cigar is. It's it's one of those cigars that you can you know if you smoke multiple cigars a day, you can smoke multiples of it. It's not going to be a palate wrecker. Um, it's definitely a good, enjoyable, flavorful cigar um definitely one of my favorites uh because I, I i typically I, I for a long time I, for years like not until recently i was smoking mild to medium stuff uh religiously because i wanted to smoke more cigars I, you know stronger cigars would, would wreck my palate and i couldn't smoke as much but uh now i'm smoking you know more full body stuff so I, I i really like that cigar because it's it's it doesn't leave a lot of aftertaste it's not one of those cigars that you smoke and you're like okay that's I'm, I'm done for the night. You know, it, it's, you can pick up another if, if that's what you do. Yeah. The, the neoclassic is our Nick Brown puro. Puro uh, in all of our blends. We utilize Amatepe tobacco. It's kind of our signature, whatever. It, it, you know, it's, it's just what we prefer to use in, in every cigar and every filler yeah. because it does have a bolder. Um, it just, it just elevates the the body of the cigar every time so it creates a more interesting smoke it's almost like a um, you know a, a little a little cheat into you know making a cigar you put a little on the tip and, and it gets interesting if it wasn't before it definitely gets interesting um so the neoclassic, classic probably the cigar i smoke the most um it's a good medium body it has it, it, it's definitely a, it, we, like for us we call it the neoclassic because it's, it's like a new take on the classic puro cigar uh, I feel like what makes it a little bit different is the fact that it is a little bit more elevated in body than your typical ones, but it has it, it, it kind of maintains the subtlety, the complexity of you know uh, of a more smoother cigar. So it, it 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 balance it's it's right on both. It's it's not like too, it's not too spicy like a lot of Nicaraguan puros. It has some of that nice kind of uh, nuanced flavors, but a little bit more elevated. Yeah, the messenger, which is It was my favorite to make and it was the last one we made uh because i love connecticut cigars always have Uh, i know most people don't most manufacturers i I should say hate connecticut's hate working with connecticut's don't find them interesting for me it was the opposite like connecticut like i think with stronger cigars it's to me it's like uh, i keep comparing them with like cheeseburgers you could add a lot of sauces to a cheeseburger. A lot you can add a lot of things to a cheeseburger. Yeah. But if the you know the patty quality doesn't always have to be the the best, you can hide certain flavors with Connecticut's, If it's not done really well, it's going to fall flat. Like it's going to taste bitter. It's 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 not going to be interesting. It's just going to be that mi- mild cigar. It's going to taste like paper number uh, two pencil.
0: <clears throat> It'll taste like number two pencil. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I didn't, I definitely didn't want it to go that route. I didn't want to offer something like that. So we worked on the messenger for a long time, and then we really beefed up the, the filler to make it kind of uh, – make those flavors pop, but not smoke it and then feel like you just got cheated out of a Connecticut. You know, smoke a Connecticut and it feels like a Maduro. No, it was – it's a if you wanted to see – like, if, if you wanted to, like – if you're going to smoke one cigar of the brand, and you do like Connecticut's, if you don't like Connecticut's, then disregard, but if you do – um, I feel like it's a that cigar is is kind of the little peek in the window of what we can do. Like it's it's definitely I know there's a lot of good connects on the market, but this one's definitely different. I I I, I heavily I know I'm biased, but that cigar to me is, you know, definitely something that's like, OK, this is this is I've, I haven't had this cigar before. I haven't had something that is like this before it's 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 very very flavorful for a connecticut and it just really pops and it's you know it's not our best seller um but i always plug that if i if i can plug a cigar it's gonna be that one um it should, to me it was like the the the, the crown jewel of, of the of the lineup um as far as you know a, a connecticut done very very well and um, yeah, I, I highly recommend that blend. Well, now, I, we do-
0: I, honestly, I, not not to interrupt you, Nur, but honestly, yeah. I think that's that blend, that Connecticut blend, the mildest blend in anyone's portfolio is the blend that you can judge that entire portfolio from. If if you could if you can knock a a Connecticut out of the out of the park, everything else is gravy.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean it's your it's your you know um, so most so so the the cigars that people smoke the most like like on a global or excuse me on a uh, yeah global scale most people consume connectives that's because most people most cigars uh, consumers are you know uh, gonna smoke milders things um so if you can't if, if your workhorse can't be the best thing that you make then what do you what do you you know you can like it's like a car brand can make a, a, an F1 vehicle but if you can't get your daily driver done right then what's the point who are you showing off to there's no there's nobody to 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 see it yeah. so you have to do, you have to kind of have your 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 daily let's call it the daily driver the the, the the more average cigar that most average people can smoke um if you can't do that right then you're right i mean it's it's a great way to see how good a brand does i invite anybody to smoke the, new, the 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 messenger in the um my favorite size is the robusto extra it's a five and a half by 54. uh it's in between a toro in between a robusto a little bit it's a little bit thicker in the gauge 54 a lot of the connoisseurs kind of you know prefer the smaller gauges but i prefer that size because it, it it's just enough filler to really um kind of showcase what we can do uh with cigars so yeah i i highly recommend anybody smoked if you like connects if you like mild to medium cigars that's going to be a great uh indication to what you can look forward to in the in the blends to come uh we are we are currently kind of working with more stronger stuff uh like uh, the, our two most popular boulder cigars are our le stuff the moon valley is one uh that comes out once a year it's a box press torpedo um it 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 fluctuates sometimes it's san andreas sometimes it's in escuro nicaraguan um and then we have the we call it the bumblebee it was uh that one (laughs) that one comes out (laughs) once every two years it's a cigar i can't stand but but people love it it's a four by sixty uh it was so it's a so the blend i got that cigar it was basically a nobility in a in like a nub size almost And I smoked an inch of it. It was way too strong. And I put it out and I gave a few to some of the people I trust that are in the full body range. And they're like, oh, my God, this is phenomenal. I'm like, I don't know. It's too big. It's too small. It's too strong. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing. (laughs) But when we put it out, people went crazy over it. It was the it was the quickest sellout for retailers. And I'm just like, I don't know what you guys like about this, but we're going to keep making them. (laughs) <laughs> it's very strong so and 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 the way uh, kind of like what nick was doing with this retailer his little pitch i tell people i said it's not i'm not challenging you but if you like super full, full body cigars this is definitely gonna maybe too strong for you and people get so challenged by that like what do you mean i can't smoke i could smoke two of it and they start buying them up and <laughs> it's almost like a pepper challenge it's <laughs> It's just it's for I don't smoke that, that those that that gauge or that that body, but people were buying them up. That retailers were like, "Listen, yeah, I make more next time. You can't just make five, ten thousand cigars." And, and I'm like, th- "That's in L. E. Any more than ten thousand, and then it's just a regular production." Hate make I really hate making that cigar, but <laughs> but people really enjoy it. I still get people that like collect them because we do them like every year. It's a different size. Like one will be a five by. Uh, Five by 60. And then one time we even bumped it to a 60. It, it's become, it's gone, it, it's, it's just out of control. But, but people enjoy them. So we are making more on the, more on the stronger side for cigars. Are, uh, the Astronomy, which is in pre release, is only available at certain retailers, online retailers for now. Some brick and mortars have them. It's a uh, naked, small, naked small naked batch rubber. has it. Does luxury have it? Yeah. 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 Luxury okay. should have um, uh, that if you're if you're a full you know, if you're a full body fan, you like Connecticut Broadleaf, um, then that is going to be a de- definitely a, a, a really interesting take on on broadleaf. It's it's one of our when we have it, it sells out so fast, people really enjoy it. Um, but we we are we don't we don't market it. We don't I we don't really talk about it that often just because we only get about a limit like anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand in the last year. That's all we've been able to Kind of have, but uh, next year we should. You'll see the new pack. New packaging is going to be spectacular. Uh, the new bands, the 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 blend's been uh, kind of, I should say, it's been upgraded a little bit. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a phenomenal, phenomenal cigar next year when we do have it. Not in pre-release. It's going. We're going to get rid of those ugly pre-release bands, and we're just going to have a normal, <laughs> a Connecticut broadleaf cigar with a regular band on it. But uh, it'll be worth it. So, so a lot of the stuff that we are developing currently, as you smoked, James, are more on the stronger, you know, medium to full. Some of it's. Full I didn't bite. think it was, I didn't think it was too full. I remember smoking it because I,
0: <laughs> like Lou and some of the guys that you know there in, in Tallahassee, uh, when yeah. I met up with them, it was oh you got to smoke this Astronomia, like you got. And Lou's like, I don't have any Astronomia with me. They're like, oh, you got to get a hold of Nimmer. You got to get him an Astronomia, and you you hooked me up with like, I think your entire line. Uh, when I saw you the next day, and you you hooked me up with the astronomia, and it was it really good. I didn't think it was too full. Uh, no, no,
2: not not the astronomia, but no, de- there's uh, definitely some of the other stuff that we. Well, now
0: I want to try the bumblebee because I want to see how full it goes.
2: I'm telling you, I hate working. I told you I don't like the cigar, <laughs> and people still bug me about it. Well, I mean, it's like that reverse
0: psychology.
2: It is. I'm I'm taking I'm I'm ripping Nick's uh, business model off. Thank you, Nick. Thanks. Do you have hey.
0: do you have a cigar you hate? You hate blending and rolling and doing. Like, is there just one? You're like, God, I, why do people fucking like this? Everybody
2: does. Yeah, I know. So Nick cigar.
1: The cigar that I, I was hesitant to make, and uh, was the size really the seven by seventy. I was just, now it was the same blend that I carried over from my LH Maduro, but you know, you have to make sure that you got the right proportions. And I've only smoked three of them in my life and I thought it was going to kill me. You know, I was like, it's just too much smoke, but people love it. And, you know, I just had enough shops that kept asking me for a seven by 70. So then I came out with the seven by 70 in the LH Maduro and then they're like, can you make another one? I'm like, so now I have the big Nick and they both sell equally as well. And I'm amazed that people want to smoke. That's that size. It's just so big, you know, and then they make eight by eighties and nine by nineties. And (laughs) no, I won't go there, but yeah, that was for me a difficult, um, I have made some custom blends for other brands that, I was like, yeah, you yeah, know, this is not my cup of tea. But you know what? The same way that sometimes I get frustrated with retailers that, you know, they'll smoke the cigar and they'll say, oh, yeah, here's the thing. If a retailer says, OK, this quality of tobacco is no good. It doesn't merit being in my shelves. I'll respect that. But if their particular taste buds. Don't seem to jive with it. If I had a store and I did, you know, I was involved with the lounges in the Middle East, you know, I would bring in stuff that people wanted, you know, that I knew would sell, whether I liked it or not was irrelevant. You know, you want what people want, you know, if you're you, you your taste palate is somewhere else doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, like there's a lot of stuff out there that, in my opinion, is so super strong. I, I really wouldn't, you know, so under fermented that they're complete nicotine bombs and. Okay. If that's what you're looking for, you know, more power to you. Not what I want to me, it goes against what we're doing here and fermentation is, you know, part of the process. And some, you know, some factories forget that part, you know? Um, but you know what, the fact that those sell, you know what more power to them, you know, that's why there's 5 million different brands out there because there is literally something for everybody. Yeah. So
0: 100%. And, and it's funny that you guys are talking like Nick the seven by 70, uh, and I'm not going to mention names, but you know who you are. Uh, and Nimmer, you're, I think you're going to, I'm sure he's told you this, <laughs> but somebody who's coming out with a, with, with a brand here very soon, uh, smoked a, a, a blend, uh, you know, in the Gordo. And he was like, this might be it. Like, this is really, really good. And I'm like but it's such a big cigar he's like yeah but it's really really good like size like the 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 size of the cigar can really determine a lot of like what flavors you're gonna get how much of the flavor uh of like just depends on the proportions that are in, in the recipe but any are you gonna come out with a seven because you've got the bumblebee which is the nut you gonna come out with a seven by70 nimmer uh
2: no but we do make a seven by 74. Well, okay. So I am pretty sure he's okay with me talking about it cuz cuz we we uh, last the last time we talked about this I was just like what do you, what what the shit you make me do is just absolutely disgraceful. But um uh, so so I I, I want to give him a plug. So Chris uh Christopher Moore with Carolina Blue Cigars. Been on the program. Uh, yes, sir. We make uh the Nicaraguan cigars for him. A yeah, great guy. I, I love Chris. Um but he <laughs> He, he comes up with some some crazy ideas sometimes, but we just, you know, when I talk to him, it's it's we, we always find a way to make this shit happen. But he calls me up uh, randomly and he's like, listen, I need I'm going to do a seven by seven. I don't know if it was for him or somebody else or what the situation was. I'm like, Chris, what are you talking about? Stop the madness. Um, repent like immediately. <laughs> He's like seven by seven seven by seven Maduro Scurro, the darker the stronger the better. I'm like Chris uh, you know like I I don't you know I I make cigars not you, you know you know what I'm just like I, I don't know if I can if I can go there I, you know it's just like what are they gonna say they're gonna like you know who's gonna buy this no one's gonna buy this it's like oh dude the you know the, there's there's markets for this we're gonna we're gonna move them like I'm like I will but it, you, you don't tell anybody i did this for like <laughs> it, wasn't me. it wasn't me it wasn't me but uh I, I don't know if it worked i don't remember if it ever worked better or not but uh you know what if that's what you want then that's what you get i mean yeah it's like the bumblebee i don't it's just to me like i don't have a problem with 60 gauges at all like there are some cigars that like you mentioned that i smoked that were like this is like this is good. This is a really good blend, especially out of our factory. The 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 sixty gauges, the, the more the more you can give us to put in the filler, the more creative, the more uh, to me like the more interesting the cigar can get. Sometimes, sometimes. But uh, yeah, there's some cigars that are sixty gauge where you're like, you know what, this isn't my size. But if I wanted like, especially when you can add more laharo in the blend, make it a little bit more bolder, you know you know sneak some stuff in where you know you can put some more the tip in it make it interesting you can make some really really amazing 6 by 60s i don't think the 6 by 60 size is that offensive uh, or any 60 gauge i don't think it's that offensive but like sometimes it's too much and 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 there's a balance but the 7 by 70 that was pushing limits <laughs> i don't i don't i know it's you know some people like it but yeah, we, we, we do, we do make it for some other brands as well. But like, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, if you ask me to do it, I will, I will tell you my opinion of it. Most of the time they don't care, but yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm going uh, to
0: volunteer my opinion.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, please don't do, like, uh, I, you know, I don't know how much we can talk about this, but for the person that we will keep nameless for the blend that will keep nameless. I thought that blend was phenomenal i th- i really did it was a, it was on the larger side i thought it was a great cigar and i had to twist his ear into doing it i don't know if he's going to listen but it, it, it sometimes it makes sense yeah i mean it, it's it's a great it's like 25 uh for some of my blends i like nobility I, or yeah nobility it's 25 percent of our sales that's the gordo side wow. it's crazy not to have it like everybody that said i'll never make a gordo i'll never make a gordo have all ended up doing it? Almost all of them have compromised and done it because they, they there's there's a demand for it and a growing demand for it. By the way, like which is okay. weird to me because it's such a it, it is a on the larger side
0: of things. Like the the largest I can usually do is like a Toro, like 54, maybe a 56, like 60. We're getting into some
2: James. Like, what's your favorite size? Toro, six by fifty. Yeah. So would you like so? Uh, would you say that like a Corona is one of your favorite sizes? No, I, well, it depends on the bl- I, like.
0: I'll say this: it depends on the blend, because I think some blends work really well in a Corona, and it to me, it's the hamburger analogy this way: it's it's patty to bun ratio, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so you're getting more of the bun, the wrapper. In in the smaller sizes, like uh, even with a Lancero or, or or a Corona or a Petit Corona, you're getting that you're getting more bun, you're getting more flavor
2: from the from the wrapper. Well, the, the but like those sizes, Corona, um, Rothschild is a little different. That's the that's the for me at least. That's kind of like the the freak of the bunch because of the price point. It doesn't cost to, to give you and everybody an insight, and uh, Nick already knows this, but it doesn't cost. It's not like twenty. It's not like thirty percent cheaper to make a Roth, even though a Rothschild versus a six. You could probably fit four or five Rothschilds in a six by sixty, but it's not that much cheaper to make because most of the cost that goes into cigars goes to the government, or goes in transportation, or goes in package. There's all these expenses. So, like we have Rothschilds that we that we do. It's it's the Don Sella line of of what we do, and it's it's just basically every blend in a in a four and a half um, four and a half by forty eight size. Sells really well, but if I sell in a Corona, can't can't. I mean, it's less than five percent of our sales when we do make Coronas. So we have the Portofino, which is uh, we have that size. It's a Corona, basically. We have that size in every one of our lineups. Doesn't sell. I mean, it just people love them. There's people that will only smoke or blend in that size, but it doesn't sell. Most manufacturers complain about the the the, the Lanceros. The coronas, the petite coronas, the whatever, whatever, they can't move. They don't move because customers see, let's say, when you look at the neoclassic on the shelf, it's going to range between discounting the Rothschild. It's going to range from 7 to $10 for our cigar. So the $7, you look at the Corona, which is a $7 cigar, or you look at the Gordo, which is $10. you are thinking, I could, this Gordo is five times more than this, Corona. you know, in, your, in their mind. There's five times more smoke in this Gorda. Why would I? Why would I just spend the three dollars more and just get that? That's how a lot of people think. And when it comes to Toro, which is the best selling size for most people, it, everybody. Yeah, I mean it's. But when you look at Corona, they don't really. Most people don't gravitate towards that size, so it's a great size. Depending on you know maybe a Corona Gorda, to me that's probably my favorite size in general. Doesn't sell. I mean, it's just people look at it. And that's why a lot of people that offer a six by forty-eight kind of also end up offering a six by fifty-two if if they're if they have an extensive lineup, they, they will always have a fatter Toro in some cases because it sells better. Yeah. And so small gauges don't do well uh for most brands. Some brands have built that they built their whole existence on smaller gauges, and I understand that, but for most people. The the we, we make fun of Gordo's a lot, but Gordo's outsell Coronas and, and, and Corona Gordo's by a lot. Just at, that at blows my mind. Blows my mind. At, um, at least in my world, it may be different for Nick or for other brands, but my world, Toro's, Robusto's and unfortunately Gordo's. That's what's up.
1: And unfortunately Gordo's. Nick, are you, is it similar for you? Absolutely. Those are the three top sellers in most people's lines. Uh, the six by sixty you know, 20 years ago was unheard of 15 years ago, it started coming on the scene and was immensely popular. And that started overseas. I really believe that. And then you started seeing gravitated in the U S with the six by sixties. And then I saw a peak of six by sixties. It was like, it was all the craze. Now it's kind of leveled off and it's still a very, very popular size. People like that. I think a lot of people buy them because, oh, it's a better value. It's got more tobacco because the reality is the incremental cost and in the tobacco difference is so minimal. There's really hardly any you know price difference, very, very small, that would not even equate it on a retail level. But people say, oh, this is a better value. I'm going to get the six by 60. Same reason why people buy the seven by seventies. You know, I ask, why do you like this cigar? And you know what? A lot of retail shops will not sell the seven by 70 because they don't want somebody sitting around there for three hours, smoking one cigar, you know? Um, So, but there are shops that that's the clientele. And those are the ones I don't have, I'd say about 30% of my shops have brought in the seven by 70 and about 20 of them sell it regularly. So it's, If you have that clientele, it's all based on the clientele and it's all based on trends and it's all based on people don't understand a smaller cigar is a total different experience. Unless you're blending a cigar specifically, you're going in, I'm going to blend a six by 60 cigar and do the blend according to that size. That's different than what most people do and add a size to the current blend and just adjust the filler, and it's never the same. And the format is definitely gonna change the taste of the cigar. Some blends work better in different Vitolas, and that's the reality
2: of it. Uh, I I mean, region-wise, like Dominican cigars, I, traditionally, I don't see them do as well in the 60 gauge than the Nicaraguans, because Nicaraguans, they can get, they can make it a little bit more bold, they can a little more spicy, so it does better but then, you know, you could probably say the Dominicans probably, it depends on your flavor profile, but like some Dominicans do better in certain sizes and Nicaraguans and, and even Mexican cigars, pure Mexican cigars. They are in their own world the same way Cuban cigars or whatever. So, yeah, it just depends on the for, uh, um, uh, the country of origin the tobaccos you're using can heavily I- impact if adding more tobacco is good or, or bad. But, yeah, that's that's my experience with it.
0: So we're talking about about sizes and and and, and ultimately it comes down to to the the cost of the cigar. And this is one of the final questions I want to ask you, Nimmer, before we we let you get out of here and go back to doing whatever it was you were doing before you jumped on this call. Is is I I heard John Hoover from from Heads on his podcast with Tim Osgener say that the 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 time of the ten dollar cigar is over. Uh we're going to see $20 cigars. That's going to be the norm. You know, they just came out crown heads with their $30 cigar. You were talking about $300 cigars earlier in, in, in Dubai and that they're here in the U S they're hundred dollars cigars, $50 cigars, $60 cigars. Is that, do you think that's where we're headed? Is that that in here in the American market we're we're headed towards $30, $20? That's just your normal price for a cigar.
2: Oh yeah. Because like, okay, so U S market, aside if you look at the if if the rest of the world is any indication um if you look at like within the last year i've been in the middle east europe few places here a few places there like i know one of the larger uh, imports for cigars like Le- lebanon um you know switzerland spain like when i was in so i saw the prices like in vienna uh in frankfurt germany like i was seeing prices that were stupid stupid price like like 55 euros for a corona a raw chop whatever stupid price and that's not just the Euro, uh, the the cuban front that is that is other i mean even crown head cigars i saw uh, i believe it was crown heads i saw in in a cigar shop a, a prominent cigar shop in, in vienna um, they were, their cigars, I mean, from, from what I remember, uh, they were in the $50 range, 50 euro range, which luckily back then it was a dollar euro for dollar ratio. They were even back then. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the but now the new Cuban prices, like when I was in, uh, Dubai, Jordan, uh, Lebanon, the, 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 prices are to buy a cigar. Like when I, when I light up cigars in, 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 in Amman, it was like. Well everybody was like this guy's a big shot. This guy's a big deal. He's lining up a $100 cigar. And it's over in an hour. And to me it's like this costs no word fractions of what they're they're thinking because cigars are very expensive and they are reserved for the you know the, the, the ultra wealthy not the 1%. I mean the ultra wealthy because it's a very expensive hobby. In the US we've had a completely different experience where i've seen people you know i mean uh, people that can barely afford lunch can afford cigars it's it's there's cigars for under a dollar if you look you know close enough so yeah it's everything is getting expensive inflation has impacted everything if anything cigars have been impacted arguably less than than milk and juice have i mean the inflation has hit everything and the costs to make cigars have gone up dramatically the ups uh deliveries are more expensive the the boxes in which the cigars are made are more expensive the shipping costs the tobacco co- the tobacco costs have gone up but cigar man- manufacturers are hesitant to go up not not anymore this year you saw a lot of price increases you're seeing 30 dollar cigars you're seeing 20 dollar cigars um it is becoming a thing of You know, great expense. I mean, it it, it just it's like, and 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 the and the prices aren't reflecting like quality of cigar necessarily. They're just they're just reflecting the current inflation or you know everything's expensive. Cars are hitting six figures easily. If you look at a truck, you're going to spend eighty to a hundred thousand dollars quite easily. So a twenty dollars cigar is not crazy anymore. If you had a cigar that was you know the average used to be six to eight, and then it was eight to ten, and, and you know I think now the average cigar, if you were it, take away discounts, MSRP only, fourteen dollars is probably your average. Thirteen dollars might be your average. I, I don't know where the number would land, but more and more brands are feeling confident to sell thirty dollars cigars. If you sold thirty dollars cigar in two thousand and fifteen or fourteen or somewhere around that before that. Your cigar would die on a, a lonely death on the shelf. No one would ever touch that cigar. Now people pick them up, no problem, because they could spend fifteen dollars on a cigar, or they could spend thirty. It's not that big of it's not that big of a difference anymore. Yes, it's double, but I mean, it's there. There were there were eighteen dollars cigars when there were six dollars cigars, and people still bought the eighteen dollars cigars. You know, yeah. there's always been a premium market, but now everything's becoming premium. So as wages go up, as inflation goes up, cigars have to go up as well. And like we are, to be honest with you, I mean, we're fighting tooth and nail to keep cigars. Our, I mean, our price points are considered cheap now. They, before they were average, now they're cheap. I'm yeah. having a hard time, James, keeping the prices where they are. Hard time. Our, our profit margins have taken a hit um we're just selling more cigars so we're able to justify keeping the cigars in the seven to ten dollar range but our seven dollar uh, uh uh price point mark is going down it's it's shrinking there's not that many cigars i have that are seven bucks i used to have yeah. cigars for but I, I, I the don sell the rothschild the four and a half by 48 two years ago was five bucks i could never sell that cigar now. And, and even back then it was a loss you know a quote-unquote loss leader no. Now I have to sell for seven, and and there's still not much. I mean, there's there's pennies to be made there. Not it's you know it's tough. It's very tough to keep prices where they are. So yeah, you will see cigars blowing way past the fourteen dollar mark. They have to. I mean, we can't, you know things are expensive. Yeah. You know, my, um, I, I, you know, I was telling um, another uh, a manufacturer, brands, uh a brand, cigar brand um, you know, he, they were. T- looking into getting their own facility their own warehouse i'm like look it costs a fortune to maintain the lights in, a, in in a in a warehouse it costs a fortune our our our, you know communication bill alone looks like most people's rent it's not it's not a cheap uh not cheap thing so if we're making cigars selling cigars for five dollars a stick it, it's very difficult to keep the lights on so you know it's it's not not that we're complaining but it it is it is a uh, a harsh reality that most of us have to deal with. So, you know, if somebody's selling their cigars for $14, 15 $16, that's going to become the average if it's not the average already. It's getting opinion. pretty close. Yeah, it's getting pretty close
0: for sure. For sure. Uh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, Nimmer, real quick, if there was one thing you want our audience to know about you or Balakari cigars, what would it be? Like, let the audience know.
2: Uh, I mean, we make great cigars at great, great price points. And uh, if if you're going to check them out, support, you know, your brick and mortar. If they have them, go to our website, check out the, the, the store locator. If you do have one near your location, please, please, please go to your local brick and mortar first, if you can. If you cannot, please go to Small Bags, Luxury Cigars or any of the online guys. We have them all listed on the website and, uh, you know, support small business Support us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we make we make good cigars, so don't miss out. You do make good cigars, absolutely. What's the website,
0: valicaricigars.com? That's it. That's it. There you go, valicaricigars.com. Check A-L-A-C-A-R-I.com. them out. L-A-C-A-R-I.com. There you go. Uh, I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. Uh, you guys, go check it out. I'm telling you, I've smoked uh, his line and the Astronomy. I can't wait to smoke the Bumblebee just <laughs> so I could be like, oh, this is really good. I mean, you got to make more of these. Uh, just so he can never. get upset. <laughs> uh, never cigars. Cigars Thank you very much. I appreciate your time, sir.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me, Nick. That's another one in the books, my friend.
0: Another one in the books. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, it's a holiday season. It's also December 1st right now when this episode is released. So if you're listening or watching right now, don't forget tonight at eight o'clock central standard time, uh, our newest show, the live show on YouTube. Uh, which is called The After Dark. Simply Snowy's After Dark, because I forgot what it was called there for a hot second. Uh, Check it out live on YouTube, the first of every month. Uh, And then, of course, make sure you check us out next week, a week from today, on the Clear the Air After Show, The Secret Sauce, hosted by Tim, or myself. Tim and Nick will sit down, and we will talk about Nimmer behind his back, uh, and then put it out for everybody to listen to, including Nimmer if he so chooses. He can listen